Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is that time of day. This is the very first podcast in 2016. Not 2015, erase the five, draw the six, <laughs> like all you guys are doing out there. Welcome back to Game Dev Unchained, the best podcast about video game development and the game industry and everything behind the scenes. My name is Larry Charles, and of course, my co-host, best friend, Mr. Brandon Fam. Hey, happy new year, everyone. Uh, this year's podcast is we'll start off with just the two of us uh to do a recap and uh things to look forward to yeah we'll do some reflecting and some projecting we'll do a little old a little new how about that that sounds great to me man so uh, like i said first uh happy new year uh let's talk about the same thing that everybody does every new year they have new year's resolutions and game dev unchained is no different uh we've got a couple of resolutions uh one New Year's resolution I have is I would actually like to get real advertising. <laughs> In case you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time you hear a commercial, it's me. <laughs> or actually, Brandon, I think you did one. I think you did I did. One. A, I did one. Yes. But uh, it'll be nice to take a break. Yeah. So when we say we want to pay some bills, I don't want to lie about that. Uh, so my goal for this year is to actually get our podcast big enough so that we do have actual sponsorship. And this no longer becomes a hobby. It becomes professional podcasting. So that's one of my resolutions. Yeah. Uh, one of my resolutions would be uh, involving the audience more. I mean, we'd love to hear from you and actually answer some questions and not just blabber on without any <laughs> specific reason. <laughs> now I feel like a jerk. <laughs> my resolution is to get paid. How about you, Brendan? Well, I'd like to involve the audience. <laughs> we like got to reach balance out. each other out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a Miss America yeah. total fail on my part. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, okay. It's honestly, though, it'd be nice. Yeah, you know, I uh, want to reach out to the audience, want to get you guys involved, asking us questions that we can answer on the air, quote-unquote, and just definitely increase the involvement. We see a couple of you guys on the Facebook page. That is so awesome. Thank you very much for engaging in the conversations with us. And by us, I literally mean us. Brandon and I are the only two people running this. So if you get a response, one of the two of us has actually responded. <laughs> we don't have any more unpaid interns. Uh, we, we ran out of free hot cocoa. No, that'll be our second one. We need unpaid interns. <laughs> running some of our stuff <laughs> the second resolution slave labor <laughs> that'd be nice uh, let's see another resolution i have is i actually want to open up the interview list to the audience so as of right now we've kind of been going through our own personal contacts and saying like oh hey you know we know this guy let's see if we can get them on or oh hey we know rosie let's see if we can get her on um we have enough listeners and supporters now that i do believe if you agree or know about the six degrees of separation, we pretty much know everybody now, right? Like I'm hoping that someone in the audience might be like, Hey, you know what? I know this guy who's doing this great thing about video games. Let me connect game school or game dev unchained. Let me connect them <laughs> with this person so that we can do an interview. So I think what we're going to do is open up an official channel where you can basically say, Hey, I have this connection and I've already told them about the podcast if you want to interview them, I can set this up. I'm not going to lie. We'd definitely be taking advantage of your help because, you know, I, we only know so many people, <laughs> but we promised episodes every Tuesday. Yeah. We're, we're trying as hard not to circle back to the same guys that we talk about. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, in January, we have a lot of uh, good people to talk to and we're booked, but it'll be always nice to talk to the our audience's uh, connections and see from a different point of view. It's It's been pretty interesting. Larry and I started the podcast with people we both knew, and then it slowly transitioned to where Larry only knew the person or I only uh, know the person. And I think we're slowly going into 
the territory of not knowing the person we're interviewing yeah. <laughs> at all. So it's, I think we're maturing, dude. Yeah, and those actually are going to be some of the best interviews when we have to figure out how the comedy is supposed to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be a real, <laughs> we'll be asking real questions we don't know answers to. Yeah, <laughs> no pre-laughs, no inside jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to be nice. All of the that. charm, basically, that makes our <laughs> podcast will be gone. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to give you. Don't worry, news. I'll be as offensive as otherwise. <laughs> Oh. And then Larry will reel me back once in a while. Yeah, that's that's how it works. It's great teamwork here. Yeah, um, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, as as far as reaching uh, us, just go to our Facebook page and just message us uh, those contacts, and we'll definitely read them. Either me or Larry. So uh, do it. <laughs> uh, another New Year's resolution for Game Dev Unchained that I have is I would actually like to have Brandon and I attend game development events as media and like get to go as press and you know talk to other companies talk to other developers or fans possibly even do some youtube content based on that but i'm going to strive to get us in that position so we can have this really fun interview style like we have on the podcast in video form or still in podcast form but at live events i think that's going to be something really cool and we're going to push for that as well yeah that'd be nice uh i would love to do that to get the audience involved, you know, we we do this pretty much live. There's really little editing yeah. that we we apply. It would be wouldn't be that much difficult to actually have a a Q and A or, or audience watching us and listening to us. We record pretty late, so maybe we can set those some of those up. Uh, as far as attending live events, uh, we could do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> like pull, I, out, pull out the iPhone. Well, yeah, it's not it's not even that. But like uh, I remember back um, like a few years while I was a student, um, like my second E3 event or something, and one of the students uh, I was hanging out with <laughs> was asking me if I wanted to get a media pass. I was like, dude, I, I don't think I can afford it. And so what he did is he just backed up to one of the, uh, the receptionist's desk and just looked left and the right and just reached over and grabbed a media event. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I was man. like... Well, this is like the coolest guy I ever met. But yeah, we get, we got in for media that day, so it it doesn't seem that difficult. <laughs> oh my god, was the name like if somebody did a name to face, would it match? Like, were you Sheila <laughs> Sheila like Tyrell? For... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's probably the same guy you know. Dude. It's it's not Sheila. It's Shay Lie. Shay Lie. But oh, uh, it, it just takes a little courage. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we we all know how my first E3 went. It wasn't as yeah, awesome yeah. as that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. and if you don't know, uh, you can go double back and listen to Minorities in the Game Industry podcast yeah, with Ray ahead. Graham. Yeah, <laughs> that's from 2015. Yeah, we promise one of these episodes will be a recap show. We have a lot of good content that we'll go back to, but uh, eventually we'll get there. <laughs> And also, we're going to do round twos, which is, like like we said, uh, minorities in the game industry and funny stories are just real stories. We said that that's something that we feel like is going to continue. You know, you can't just dedicate one hour to something like that. Like, hell, that could even be its own podcast. So we're definitely going to come back to that and do drop another episode. Yeah. Another resolution of mine. <laughs> I would love to uh, start hearing how we're helping people like i would love to hear mm. if we're actually unshackling any developers out there like yeah. if we can unshackle one developer at a time to at least have them think about doing something else than uh being with their office desk yeah uh, i'll be a happy man and by doing something else he doesn't mean quit the game industry <laughs> you know don't do that yet <laughs> he means just evaluate all the ways that your expertise as a game developer can provide you income and sustenance all the ways that don't involve you you know basically being taken advantage of yeah I that's mean, the nicest way i can say it just start thinking about you at 65 <laughs> and being horrified at the idea yeah. that's what i want you to feel how, how many near retirement age developers have you worked with that had your same job that's the like just start, start noticing the age gaps yeah. <laughs> if there is any hello larry how many near retirement age level designers have you worked with none <laughs> yeah exactly so hmm. i just want people to at least perk up and think about it and i'll be happy about that all right 
Well, uh, I guess that'll do it for my New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you have any more. I'm good, too. I think that's good for now. All right, let's throw that card out the window. <laughs> David Letterman style. <laughs> uh, next we have, what games are you excited about? Uh, I just want to jump right on in. Uncharted 4, come at me, bro. I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot wait to see the ending of the Uncharted series. Big follower of the series since the first one. And actually, I played the first one before I was actually a, a game developer. And much like Uncharted and God of War, what I loved about those big blockbuster games was after you beat them, they gave you like the behind the scenes in the studio content, you know? And so I made sure to beat every single God of War, every single Uncharted, because before being in the game industry, that was my closest view. Like that was my peek behind the curtain of, oh man, I can't wait to see what it's going to be like when I'm actually doing this. So Uncharted 4, I've been on the bus ride the whole time. One of your biggest fans. I'm all about it. Cannot wait for your game. So good luck, everybody over there who's crunching right now. <laughs> good luck. Bust ass. Do great work. Can't wait for your game. Yeah, I'll jump on that bandwagon. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Uncharted franchise. Um, also, as far as looking forward to in uh, 2016, I, I would love to finally see what the VR hype is about. Oh, like, man. I've tried I've tried the prototypes. I know where it can go, but I want to... You know, the Gear VR is out, and we're kind of jumping ahead, but, like, I haven't really put on a headset for a while and, yeah. and check out, like, what, what they did and you know, how the tech evolved. Yeah, the, uh, let's see. I tried on the Oculus Rift, and I think it was, like, the first-generation dev kit. So it was, like, PS1 graphics. Like, the, the screen kind of looked, I could see, like, the pixels, I believe. I just remember it feeling like, wow, this, like, is, like, PlayStation 1 era. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels incomplete, but now it's 1080p or even higher. Exactly. And and they actually have game developers behind it, not just demos. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to to that and the AR stuff. If AR is coming, I don't know if AR is coming in next. next and the VR gear is like it's powered by your cell phone, right? Like you have to have a like a, a Galaxy Note two or Note three. Yeah, is yeah. it the is it the Note or is it the smaller one? It's it's the Note. Okay. Yeah. Aha! All those people who laughed at my giant ass phone <laughs> suck it. <laughs> yeah. Now you can wear it. Yeah. But mine has a cracked screen. <laughs> like, <I> was, <laughs> My left eye is just going to be all kinds of like struggling. To, to, to. Yeah, you're going to come out of it with glass in your eye. Oh, man. But uh, uh, as far as the other games, actual games, uh, I'm looking for the Quantum Break. That looks pretty good. It's mm -hmm. by, made by the uh, Remedy guys, mm -hmm. the, the guys who made the original Max Payne. Mm -hmm. I uh, haven't seen them for a while since Alan Wake, but I remember when the game came out. It's one of those crazy tech demos where you couldn't believe it's in real time. Um, it's still as impressive as back then, and uh, it's more like a graphics thing. I just want to see how far they pushed it. Um, I'm excited about Batman Arkham Knight. And I'm bringing that up not because it's on the way out, <laughs> but because I haven't beat Arkham uh, Origins yet, and I refuse to oh, play man. it out of. <laughs> so I got to beat Arkham. Origins. And we're gonna do that, and then we have five, five years of games that I, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Thanks to Steam sales, uh, I can play games every day for the rest of my life and still not complete my library. <laughs> I mean, let's let's roll that carpet out. Did you? How many Steam games did you buy? <laughs> Well, I, so I I can't do it anymore. I, I finally got to the point where, like, I realized that I was part of a habitual cycle. I get excited about the Steam sales, and I go spend, you know, 30 bucks maybe. But I, I would just come out with, like, maybe four or five more games that I was adding to the list of games that I wasn't going to play. You know? Because you go heavy once or twice, maybe spend 100 bucks, and you get, like, seven, eight, nine games that you're hype about. Or even... You know, sometimes you buy those 349 games or whatever. I just realized that I kept adding more games to the list, and I wasn't taking games off the list. Right. And so I just had to stop. I said, if I'm not super motivated about the game when it comes out at full price, then I usually just have to acknowledge that I'm probably not going to get to experience that game. Yeah. Percentage-wise, how many people do you think is in that situation? Like, that's turning into that. It's, man... It, I feel like there's a small percentage that's that's starting to grow out of that nest. I want to. I just. I just want to know. 
I bet you Valve has this data. I want to know how many millions of dollars of unplayed merchandise has Valve put out, and like, t- like basically they have the money, right? We bought it, but yeah. we've never played like not yeah, yeah, one yeah. second of the game. Oh man, they'll never release that. <laughs> I would love to know how much money that they just got for free, basically. Now it's it's not their fault that the people don't play. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. I know if I open up my Steam library, I'm thinking roughly 40 to 50% of my games still have the plastic on it, metaphorically speaking. You know how many people will unplug from the Matrix if they see that? <laughs> if they realize they're part of the problem? $783 million of, yeah. of unplayed merchandise. Yeah, people would just stop and just start realizing the problem. <laughs> so they'll never... Uh, released it did they did they come out with the rumor saying half-life 3 is coming out finally or there was a very strong rumor that came out i think about a month ago that half-life 3 like some sort of domain or subdomain was registered or somebody pulled some valve data it was the copyrights or something or patents yeah it was the first i know that this comes out once (laughs) every two years but this was like the first it had some kind of data backing behind it (laughs) Where it might be legitimately coming out soon. It was like uh, HL3 was uh, one of the, just a small piece of data that referred to HL3. But I think where that data was found was like, it was a placeholder for games that come out. And so another one that was Left 4 Dead 3 and then also Half-Life 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, if that's true, that'll be the best Christmas present of all time. Yeah, I'm so happy if they give us Half-Life Three. We've been waiting. Yeah, definitely, man. They wouldn't release a a, a a new a new game in that series unless they're doing something badass that's changing. It's probably VR. <laughs> if I think about it, with their new system, their VR system, dude. What but if it might be the premiere? What uh, if Half-Life Three was VR? Yeah. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah. You want to sell some Oculus Rifts? Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> go hang out with Gabe Newell, entice him. I don't. You won't be able to do it with money, but find some way to get him excited about <laughs> Half Life Three VR. Yeah. If that's a thing, if you're if you're right and you're ahead of your time, knowing this, Brandon. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, I mean, they're coming out with their. Because Steam has their own VR system. It's called the Vibe, right? Mm-hmm. It's the one where you set up your, your living room uh, into a physical space. Mm-hmm. So I bet you if they wanted someone to, to anyone to get excited about their VR system, it would be Half-Life 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is like the perfect type of game to, to, to push it. Yeah, I feel like Half Life Three for Valve is the same thing as like Final Fantasy Seven Remake for. Oh Sony. my God! All right, let's talk about that. <laughs> How? So that game is coming out finally. Amen. Uh, either because they saw their earnings report for the last ten years <laughs> <laughs> and needed a Final Fantasy Seven, and uh, they finally decided, and it's going to be episodic. Yeah, it's using Unreal Four mm-hmm. uh, as well, which is interesting. Very smart move, in my opinion. Well, they they created their own. They, there was a huge hype about them finally going back to their own engine, mm-hmm. and they did that whole promotion. And for this game to go back to Unreal Four, that's kind of different. Well, I bet you. So the game, uh, the the hot boy band Japanese characters in the convertible, yeah, like that whole marketing campaign video that we saw, yeah, yeah, that yeah. is built on the the engine the, that they made the in engine, house, right? You know that game's still not out. Yeah, it probably has a lot of problems. <laughs> Now I'm I'm only speculating here because I have no idea. Yeah, I'm just saying I would imagine that building your own very high end engine is very difficult while you're making the game that's using that engine, and you're a company that's known for making games not engines. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I worked at a company once that was making an engine while making a game, and it was difficult. That's all I can say legally without messing anything up. It was difficult. So with Epic Games, like they are an engine company that has partners that make games. Yeah. And they kind of do some game development as well. Like they're making Unreal t- a new Unreal tournament, but that's even being crowdsourced so yeah. that they can focus on the underlying tech. I, I just, with how much people are expecting out of a game these days, 
I hate to say it, but if I was a company, no matter big or small, I'd look for an engine partnership. It's just it, it definitely alleviates a lot of the things. Uh, I mean, I, like to this day, as far as tool sets go, like it's hard to beat Unreal, Unity, like established engine companies mm-hmm. that have employees dedicated to it mm-hmm. that have a, a whole service staff mm-hmm. uh, if you have uh, any questions or need help on you can't compete with that as a company that's trying to ship a game and make a make an engine yeah. at the same time yep and that's that's two different things that are unrelated but are directly connected for example if you also want to sell this engine let's say and the one piece of software that's going to help you promote your engine is delayed, well, then your engine sales are delayed. Yeah. Or vice versa. If you have a big snag in your engine, now your game is also delayed. You know, yeah. you have a big snag in your game. So it's, it's very, it's, it's a, it's something I wouldn't undertake myself. Yeah. More power to anybody who's doing it currently and we don't know about it. Well, what's interesting about this, right? You're kind of touching on the point where uh, Squaresoft, mm-hmm. Squaresoft? Square Enix. Square Enix. It used to be Squaresoft. Square Enix uh, make RPG games for six, eight years. <laughs> but now for with Final Fantasy VII, they're doing it episodically. Yeah. I mean, is this the first RPG game? Uh, that uh, Not the first, but maybe, you know, the So I would say amount. this is what I would consider the first major release episodic game. As long as you don't count like sequels and prequels being quote unquote episodic, like literally taking, you know, maybe three hours of an experience and then saying, okay, now wait till, you know, four months from now for the next three hours and then wait another three months for the final seven hours or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I've always wanted or look forward to the day where triple A is more manageable. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think the three year model is is valid anymore it's dangerous and it's it's kind of like irresponsible in a way (laughs) because you're relying uh it being a hit for Mm -hmm. for 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 a budget that big for a team that big but if you can cut that into slices and contest the market to see if this is something that people want and still deliver triple a uh level of quality i'm all for it man and like i don't recall any Alan Wake kind of did it, but mm-hmm. like not not to the uh, extent of a Final Fantasy game. Right? Like Final Fantasy has, a, especially number seven, has a huge crowd. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to watch to see uh, if this is, oh, this is them testing it definitely. Yeah. But to see how well people eat it up. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, especially since we're talking about Final Fantasy VII remake and just episodic AAA content. It's kind of breaking it down for the audience. It's like the difference of like a darts to golf, right? Mm. Darts is I I stand here, I see the target that I want to hit. I have this one game I'm going to throw at the target, and I'm just going to pray that I – like I'm going to do everything I can behind this line to aim and to prepare and to – but as soon as I throw it, once it's out of my hands, I'm just hoping it hits that bullseye. Yeah. And if it hits the bullseye, everybody gets a Christmas bonus. If it doesn't hit the bullseye, we may have to close down the whole studio. Everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whereas in golf, you're like, okay, we're going to hit it as hard as we can towards that target. Yeah, yeah. Then we're going to get there. <laughs> we're going to evaluate. Then we're going to hit it again <laughs> yeah, 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 to get yeah, closer yeah. to the target. Yeah. Now, it may not end up being a straight line like in darts, but you know you get to refine you get to iterate and so that's kind of like i see the approach with the episodic content you get to minimize your risk you get to use a small piece of your budget and you know you know one year and three months in if your game is going to be a success or a dud versus spending all your budget spending all your marketing all of your hype and then you have a dud right like yeah yeah the risk mitigation is completely different so i hope it i hope it works really well as a businessman as a fan, I hope it bombs. Yeah. <laughs> here's why I say that. Because uh, they're taking advantage of you. That's what... No, it's the Game of Thrones effect. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. once I play or once I watch the episode, it's like, oh, oh, next episode. Oh, shit. I have yeah. to wait all week until yeah, next yeah, week yeah, yeah. so that I get to see what happens next. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a good problem, though. Yeah. <laughs> 
can't have my cake and eat it too. So I think at the end of the day, I'll side with developers because if it's getting too hard to make AAA games at 60 bucks, five year, four year, three year dev cycles, and too many of them are failing, so they're going to stop. Hey, I'd rather see the episodic AAA level games than no AAA level games at all. Yeah, I feel like it's finally uh, we're seeing some merging of of the mobile the mobile market and the uh, the AAA market. You know, for a while, the AAA guys kind of looked at looked down on the little brother, <laughs> which is the mobile market. Yeah. And it's like, and there's some animosity too. It's like, come on, like a mobile developer is not as good as a AAA developer. And I, I finally see that line blurring, because honestly, it's fixing each other's issues a little mm. bit, right? It's like, hey, yo, don't don't spend this much time doing this, and then firing everybody because it didn't go out as well as you did, uh, or you thought it would be, and uh, just. Do it in chunks, figure it out, pivot, uh, and and make changes. Yeah. Uh, all the meanwhile, just creating the same experience. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> but like the the whole thing is, I don't know the time consumption. Um, and I've talked about it a bunch of times as as a family man and a, a married guy. It's really hard for me to sit down. Like sometimes when I'm playing a game. It used to be like, oh man, I wish this game would never end. Mm-hmm. But I, I would be caught up in the game and be like, man, five hours in, I wish this game would finish. So it, that the sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. would be there, right? Mm-hmm. Just feeling that you finished the game in time. Otherwise, if, if it dragged too long, I, I can't. <laughs> I just see my time being slipped away yeah. where I won't be able to finish the game. So it, I feel like if they do it episodically, it's going to be more a complete package. Mm-hmm. No, there'll be cliffhangers, of course, but it'd be more like I can play this game and be uh, con- uh, content content with it. Yeah, exactly. And now that you mentioned it, man, maybe that's one of the main reasons why, as someone who considers himself also busy, that I'm just really loving, you know, like hero brawlers or, you know, MOBAs. Yep. Because, I mean, I jump in League of Legends, I get the whole experience, right? Yeah. And it's repeatable because of how random and how chaotic it is when you look at how many characters, how many different abilities, how many different ways to play the game. Or, you know, Heroes of the Storm, it's like, man, I get a whole experience in, like, let's say Heroes is, like, maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. Start to finish, 20 minutes. But it's different every time. So as long as I can contribute at least 20 minutes, I can get a great gameplay experience. Whereas, you know, 20 minutes in an RPG, it takes you that long just to, like, get yourself reset with, like, where the story is, what just your to mission get, was. You just know? to fix the character's hair. Exactly. <laughs> well, I just mean, like, let's say you put it down for, like, a week, yeah, and then yeah, you come yeah. back, and you're like, wait, why am I in this exact location? Yeah, yeah. Who you am really, I trying to yeah. kill? What? Yeah, you know. Like, like Fallout came out, right? Mm-hmm. I hear all these great things, but, like... One of my coworkers was talking about how he spent thirty hours just building a town, mm. <laughs> not even playing the game, but a feature in the game. It's like, where do you find? Where would my thirty hours be? <laughs> my kid would go hungry. My wife would leave me. <laughs> a lot can happen yeah. in my thirty hours. So it'd be nice, but you know, eventually we'll get to that point where I can take the game anywhere I want. Yeah. Uh, That'd be nice. Maybe this is a great transition point to then talk about the next thing on the list, which right. was the Nintendo NX is coming out this year in 2016. Nintendo's going to give major console development another shot. Yeah. So, like, the biggest rumor that I've heard about this is that they're finally going to just do away the whole home console, but, like, take the Wii U uh, uh, Wiimote concept where you can play on your controller. Mm-hmm and merge it with their very successful 3DS systems, like just being able to carry your TV with you. I really think that's the way to go. Yeah, this is... When the PSP first came out, I thought that that's what I was going to be able to do. Before knowing what the system was capable of, I just said, finally, I'm going to have my PlayStation that I can plug into the TV, and then I can unplug it and then still play the same game on the go. That's all I was looking for. And... It looks like Nintendo's going to deliver that 
with their games and their first party products and their non-existent third party products. Well, how do you see them uh, <laughs> how do you see them do you see NX being different from what they're going to offer with their mobile offer, uh, announcement a while back? They're saying they're going to bring a lot of their games into the mobile market finally. Well, it's really interesting because in my mind when I hear something like we're going to bring our games to the mobile market space, I don't actually believe that they're going to do their full 60 $60 effort on, right, you right. know, $2 games. You know it's I mean? like their old retro games then. No, not even that. Well, that's possible, that. but what I believe is they're going to allow their properties to exist in mm. the 2 to 3 to $4 game market. I see. Yes. But I don't imagine you're going to get Mario Party 17 four dollars on the app store like right. i don't think you're gonna see that but what i do think you're gonna get is uh wario's truck of mayhem yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. i mean like well they're basically gonna take back the out app market that ripped off all their games well that's it's <laughs> about time honestly you know how many fake pokemon games i played <laughs> waiting for nintendo to release a real mobile pokemon yeah, game exactly so it'd be interesting to see how many people will finally buy Nintendo's version mm-hmm. like the original version mm-hmm. and and see the kids be like this is kind of like uh, Flappy Birds <laughs> or something <laughs> and see that little transition. Nintendo is a bunch of copycats man <laughs> exactly I've, I've played Battle Masters like 10 times already <laughs> yeah, and yeah, now yeah. they're releasing this thing called Pokemon like, funny. all these 8 year olds around here with their iPhones yeah. swearing <laughs> Nintendo's re- <laughs> that's funny but uh, like speculation, especially uh, as far as speculation goes, what do you see the NX system being like? Is well, it gonna incorporate any of the VR stuff that they've been hearing, or do you think they're gonna take the whole mobile thing and just make it into Nintendo type with 3DS and and everything? One of the things that I've noticed about Nintendo after let's say, like I always felt like Nintendo's were was the best for pushing innovation once they got past. The regular Nintendo. The regular NES, I feel like, was just a, like, hey, we also make video games. Let's make this console. It does all this stuff. But actually, no, I take that back because even then you had the power glove. You had mm-hmm. the power pad. You yeah. know, I don't remember there being a power glove for a Sega. I don't remember there being a power pad for the Sega. Nintendo was all about how can we just make immersive games? How can we do more than the other companies are doing to yeah. interface players with our gaming experiences? And... I can look as far back as Nintendo and see that trend. You know, Super Nintendo, they had the, like, scope bazooka thing. Did you ever know that? I was poor, so I didn't get that. (laughs) But I know they had it. Um, You know, uh, F-Zero came out, or Final Fantasy, where they're taking advantage of, like, 3D rendering technology on a console that's not designed to do 3D technology at all. Killer Instinct on the Nintendo, uh, Super Nintendo, actually looked pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they pioneered a lot of the... Of course, the motion stuff, mm-hmm. the joystick mm-hmm. on the controller—that's all them. Mm-hmm. Rumble. Pack, I mean, you, yeah, even Nintendo. the VR stuff. They they came out with the the what, what the, the red uh, VR. Virtual Boy. Virtual Boy. Yeah, yeah. That, they were the first to do that. I mean, the game industry is very much Nintendo. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if they're gonna merge the existing stuff that they pioneered, or are they actually gonna offer something? Man, this must be tough to be always <laughs> be the one innovating, and people have that expectation of you too. Where is our billion dollar revenue going to come from ten years from now? I have no idea, sir. Yeah, and but... the way they're averaging is like it's every other system is where like you better watch out for Nintendo. Yeah, like if you go back all the way to Super Nintendo to the what was it? What was their other system? So the sixty four was Nintendo awesome. Sixty four, and then after that was the GameCube was okay but not awesome yeah. and then the wii was really awesome and the wii u was not so awesome yeah so this is this is their time to really kill it i hope it's more i hope it's smaller than their wii u remote because i don't see anyone carrying that around <laughs> you're you've already lost the adult market just completely no one is gonna whip out a wii u remote on the train <laughs> that's that's what I mean, man. Every other system, they yeah. c- completely lose it. They go into the kid zone. The Wii remote is not for adults. The Wii, the original Wii remote, kind of has that sexy Apple, mm. you know, uh, industrial design respect to mm. it. And then the Wii U, they just went off and 
ripped off all the karaoke <laughs> little monitors that you hold. It's just as big. It looks ridiculous. It's, you don't look cool in it uh, at all. You just get made fun of. But it'd be good to see them going back to respect design and seeing more than, than just kids holding it. Yeah. I will say... Now that I'm now that we brought up this point of like how you look silly whipping out a Wii U remote as a, an adult, I also think just you know at our level, <laughs> I'll yeah, say yeah, instead yeah, of yeah. our age at our level, <laughs> um, anything that's not an iPhone or an Android phone or an HTC or a, like a Samsung or Google or whatever, anything yeah. that's not considered an acceptable communication device, I shouldn't even use the word acceptable, but just a commonly known as this is a cell phone. Yeah. If you about anything else for a gaming experience, you already just look like yeah. what grow up, dude, you know? Have you seen anyone in a VR publicly in in the Oculus or Actually anything? no. I've only I've only seen Oculus or Samsung Gear or or all these headsets. I've only seen them in the office of game developers. I haven't been to anyone's house and seen one and I haven't seen just like people like, "Oh, Time to use my Oculus. I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's what I'm interested yeah. about. Like I want to, I want to see people, watch people, in a gear, gear VR <laughs> because I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. Like what? How? How's the public view? They had like that time cover where they kind of made fun of the guy oh, man. It, floating his face, but that's more like a very subjective yeah. from the magazine. Well, maybe it's, older it's, folks. They don't understand it. Either. Yeah, the way that it was portrayed, like they. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I just want to see someone who's a regular average Joe seeing someone in it. Like my feeling is, my gut feeling is, it's going to be more about curiosity mm-hmm. more than um, just making fun of them. Mm-hmm. Because it is interesting. It's different. It's like, what is he doing? Yeah. And, he, and you um, have no idea what they see, right? Yeah, exactly. So it is. It, it generates a lot of. Yeah, curiosity marketing because, you know, you ever see people just doing something that's out of the norm. You're interested. You're intrigued. Like uh, Ellen DeGeneres' Heads Up game, right, where you put the phone on your forehead and you're playing like uh, 20 questions. I I forget how it works. But as soon as I saw people like dipping their head to flip the card and then going back up and I see everyone having a good time reacting to this person, this experience has created a spectacle. And yeah. it intrigues and it advertises just because you're seeing people do things and enjoy themselves that you just haven't seen before. Yeah. So, like, if I were to walk through a mall and I saw someone with an Oculus hat on, I'm like, oh, man, look at this. But then if he's, like, really into it and, like, like having a great time and, you know, like, and I can't see, like, on the cheat screen what the person's actually looking at, yeah. I'm going to be intrigued. So I think if I had Oculus or if I was a developer for, like, VR software... I would take away that screen where they actually get to see, like people standing around get to see what they see because that ruins it for everyone standing around because they're going to look at your screen and be like, oh, he's on a roller coaster. Meh. You know what I mean? But if you saw the guy with the headset on and just moving and like doing things in these weird ways, but like enjoying himself or herself, you would be like, I wonder what that is. Like how cool is it that he's doing whatever it is that he's doing? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I definitely see like purposes outside of the game industry too. Like I, I know Netflix is working on some kind of VR app. Really? So you, yeah, they're work, they're working so that you you can watch movies in. I think it's already out for the Gear VR. Dude, where what you, the hell is the point? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where it gets silly, right? Yeah. This is where where we get into that little uh, arena where people are texting to each other next to each other. Yeah. So in <laughs> VR, it's like you're meeting someone. In a movie, a virtual movie theater, yeah. <laughs> and you're virtually sitting next to him and watching a movie. I can see a draw to that. Yeah. I mean, it's like an extra level of interactivity. I mean, that's what the game industry is about. That's what we're going to bring to the table to yeah. tech. I just want to see. I just want to see that, <laughs> like how people react to that. And the I, porn industry is going to kill it. <laughs> They're definitely 3D porn. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. It doesn't to have to be three D porn. About... This is the thing. Think about this, right? It, I think they have headsets, right? <laughs> <laughs> that shows three sixty cameras, right? So the <laughs> the actor just wears it, 
and as a VR person, you're like you're able to see so like, around. If I the, if I turn behind, I get yeah. to see like camera <laughs> the cameraman and directors and like yeah. a, a craft services table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine the possibility. Oh, man. Choose your adventure type of porn. Can you oh. finally realize? That's, I'm I'm actually really nervous about like fully immersive adult experiences. No one's gonna leave. I don't home. I don't know where you would go. Like what, how creative you would have to be to fill in all that negative space. I'll tell you where you won't go and where you won't leave <laughs> if you have full immersive porn, dude. It's pretty dangerous, but I know they're working on it. They gotta be. I there. I would say that industry always adapts like technology and ruins it. <laughs> <laughs> it just kills everything. I, I used to say that it was they were responsible for killing Google Glass. I can't say that anymore because I just heard a tip that Google Glass version 2 is in development and some information has been leaked. There's a version 2? There's the, it, it, it wasn't killed. I, I, thought it was, I thought it was done. I hadn't heard anything for months. On Google Glass, but it's I just probably recently... Facebook. It's probably Facebook that made them <laughs> like, hey, we should revisit this. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. So Google Glass is still in development, guys. It's it's not dead. So everyone at Google who works at Google Glass and also listens to this podcast, all two of you, forgive me. <laughs> Do you see VR set? Like, what would be the most acceptable way for it to look? Like, does it have to take in the form of sunglasses or something? Well, I think the the main thing that scares me about VR is it completely separates you from R. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, every single VR kit that I've ever seen, it completely takes out the reality. Like, I can't see a damn thing in the real world. Yeah. So, I'm very nervous about how I'm moving or how I'm, you know, experiencing this. And I, because I have that limitation what I get to experience is also going to be like kind of timid unless it's like, Hey Larry, sit in this chair and yeah. go nuts with your head and shoulders. Yeah. Pause. Cause this is, you know, like you can do anything as long as you're maintaining sitting in a stationary position. Yeah. Otherwise you're just, you're going to be too nervous about running into a wall or not seeing what your foot is about to step on or your cat walking by at the wrong time. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm actually more excited about augmented reality than I am about virtual mm-hmm. reality because augmented reality to me is far more impressive than virtual reality because virtual reality at most, the best it can do is what I already consider normal, right? Like right. The best virtual reality is a clone of reality. Right, like wow, this dragon looks like it's real. Like it's oh my god, this is all so I guess in cases like that, yeah, cool. But the whole idea of virtual reality, it's like you're you're chasing reality in some sense where you want me to think that this experience is real. But because I know I have this gargantuan headset on and I can't see what quote unquote is real around me, I'm gonna be very limited in how I'm allowing myself to interact with this experience. Yeah. With augmented reality, I can take those same concepts and elements that I'm trying to design in VR and actually put it inside of the quote unquote real world. And then I, I lose any sense of like not being grounded or not being tactile, able to touch things and be able to move through things. It's like, Oh man, I'm not going to hit this wall in front of me because I see it. Let me move around the wall and Oh shit. There was an AR dragon behind that wall or, or right, you know right. what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's I'm more excited about augmented reality than virtual reality. Yeah. I can see that argument. I can also see that, you know, if you extend beyond the headset that you wear and turn it into another form of input, mm-hmm. matrix style in the back of your head. <laughs> sure. Because that's what the matrix is, right? Yeah. It just messes up your mind and then changes reality around you. So that's where the VR is going. AR is definitely just implementing reality and and, and making things appear in front of you. At yeah, some but- point, it's going to merge. It's some, at some point you're gonna have a headset. I think Gear VR already does this. Right, you have your camera there, so mm-hmm. technically you can switch mode and see through the the set uh, what the camera sees. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna have that at that point. At some point, it's gonna be like, all right, at any point you can just switch or, or merge it. Well, there, it is worth mentioning that. Uh, I mean, refresh rate is getting better for these VR glasses and headsets and. 
pretty soon because this is just how technology works. Things always get better when it comes to technology. Um, I'm sure they're going to get to a point where it's like, Hey, you're going to get real time angle for angle, turn for turn focus. Like everything is like legit as if these were your real eyes. Right. Um, I also know that they're also incorporating like, Hey, you know what? We know that we're separating you from the real world, but because you have literally like as, as precise as we can get feedback, visual feedback of the environment that you're in, they can recreate your real environment in the VR world. So at least you still have those same visual boundaries where the real world boundaries are. Um, There was an example of this and I'm sorry if I butchered the explanation, but this next example will basically explain it to you they put a vr headset on i think it was like for ford mustang or something they they put these drivers in like this open just like slab of concrete and on their set they created this racetrack and so these guys are driving a car literally they can't see shit they Mm -hmm. cannot see in front of them but the car is attached to the headset is attached to the world where the racetrack exists inside of like the parking lot slab and right. so they're driving around this course that doesn't exist, but it, it's, it exists in their headset, right? Right, right, right? So, like, if a meteorite came from the sky and, like, landed on the course, the driver would have no idea, obviously. Right. But at least they, like, were able to take into account the space around and then put that in the virtual world so that you knew, like, where you were and stuff. Yeah. I mean, they're going to try to make it better. But because of that limitation, I mean, I just – I'm really excited about augmented reality. Yeah. Yes. Well, by that time, it won't matter because you'll have a feeding tube and <laughs> you won't yeah. be able to wake up. If so. the Matrix really happens, <laughs> then, like, sure. If they can recreate, if they can intercept the signals that I send to my hands and feet yeah. and tell my brain that it actually did it and, like, my character in game is oh, moving, dude. but I'm just laying there. Yeah. yeah total yeah. recall. Awesome. Oh, it's still going there, dude. <laughs> it's totally, definitely going to mess and interfere with your signals. And then you can learn languages yeah. and kung fu. Yep. And how slick that would be. And then you're going to be the guy who's using it during a lightning storm, and boom, <laughs> you're a vegetable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you didn't know it was lightning outside. You had your headset on. You couldn't see. You couldn't hear. Hey, man, the robot's going to protect me because they need my, <laughs> they need my energy. <laughs> I'm going to have an APC backup for my brain <laughs> so that I get two minutes to properly shut down the 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 vr before it resets my brain yeah i'll be good yeah uh i think we started talking about the nintendo nx when we went on this tangent i had another note about that so i'm gonna just gonna bring it right back one of the things that i'm worried about with the nintendo nx is i feel like because they're coming out mid-cycle and it may not be mid-cycle, but it's not like it didn't come out at the same time as the other consoles. And they're going to try to improve right their benchmark. What hurts Nintendo and what hurts consumers and game developers when they do this is like now you don't have parity for the developer, right? So like to make a game that takes advantage of whatever the NX is going to be able to do, will I then be easily able to make an executable for PS4 and Xbox One? And I'm going to assume no, you know? Uh, I think they're at the point where they always come out with assuming no. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I mean, that Nintendo is so FU to, like, the industry. <laughs> they need to own it at this point, man. They, they need to yeah. just be, like, FU for real. <laughs> like, look, third party, I don't know what to tell you. Come yeah. work for our first party studios because... Or not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, all the best Nintendo games are Nintendo games. Yeah, well, this is the thing, right? I think their target developers is not going to be AAA developers. Yeah. It's going to be the mobile developers, mm-hmm. the indie developers. That's 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 the type of culture that they they themselves uh, uh, adapt to mm-hmm. in, in, in Japan and all their studios. Um, it's just it makes the most sense, right? So th- this would probably be the first cycle where. Finally, Nintendo comes out with a console where the indie developers are on the rise, man. Like, where groups of twos and threes can can finally... If they make... If anything, if they can make their accessibility a lot better, where I can develop independently for their console, Mm -hmm. that is the best bet. So, like, a real Ouya. Yeah, a real (laughs) Ouya. I mean, PlayStation is doing a good job with the PSN. Xbox Live is doing a good job, you know, inviting developers. But if someone from Nintendo 
can straight up say, hey, come work for us or make a game for us, uh, I think a lot of developers will go for that. Like, there's a lot of fans out there, man, who who aren't just AAA developers, but would love to work for Nintendo. I think the problem and the reason why we don't have that is because we have the App Store, and yeah. we've already seen how integrity works on the App Store. Yeah, basically there is none, right? Like, if you make a console and you open it up to homebrew or indie deve- indie development, you also need a, a, a curator. Or yeah. a group of curators, right? And so now you're 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 taking on jobs and tasks for something that you would want to just run on its own, but you can't because as soon as people hear what Flappy Bird makes a million dollars a day, yeah. the next day you have forty yeah, clones of Flappy Bird. Yeah. The next week you have four thousand clones of Flappy Bird. Right, right, right. Like so, let me ask you this question, right? There's two, two, two. Two types of uh, stores mm-hmm. as an indie developer uh, you can approach. Mm-hmm. And most don't go to the App Store. Most go to Steam. Mm-hmm. So what makes Steam so much more, uh, so much better curators than the App Store? Like what, what can App Store learn from Steam where developers will be happier? Man, I... I mean, I, I'm sure they're, they they actually go after people who violate clones, right? Who copy off of each other. Uh, sort of? Not as aggressive as they should, in my opinion. Like, I'm all about the integrity of a product, right? Like, yeah. I want the oh, I'm store. talking about Steam, sorry. Oh, I'm okay. talking about Steam. They do a better job. Yeah, Steam does, a, Steam does a great job, but look at how hard it is to get your stuff on Steam, right? Yeah. Like. And they well, call they that. called it making it easier by doing like Steam Greenlight, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. it makes it one degree or like one step easier for a couple people, and it shies out a lot of small time developers who are like, "Man, I really want to make a game for Steam, but we're not legit like that yet." So let's just throw it on the App Store, you know? Mm. Steam, I mean, you can't just throw, "Hey." flippy bird onto steam like you can't do that you know you have to make like a legitimate game experience and put it on steam right 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 yeah. so it's more for the medium sized type of games well i mean i think you can have a small game on steam if it's a legitimate offering you know what i mean and that's all i'm trying to say like i haven't gone if it to has steam. physics and goats <laughs> no no I, I i just mean yeah I haven't seen copycats on yeah, Steam. Yeah, not too much. The if it's a derivative of a different game, it has to be more than just a paint job. Like yeah. it can't just be Flappy Bird with different graphics. It's like, hey, we started with Flappy Bird, but in our game you control the pipes or you know, in our game every third flap your bird is invisible, you know, yeah. or, or something like that. And actually, I think I just made a fucking cool game. <laughs> I'm going to go try that. <laughs> Every third flap, your bird is invisible. And yeah. If you thought Flappy Bird was hard before, yeah, yeah. oh my god, just take him off the radar. Oh man, actually, I'm dead serious though. That sounds like really cool. <laughs> and you're part of the problem, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at, at least mine is more than a paint job. Like I changed yeah, yeah, yeah. a mechanic. Well, do you see the App Store ever improving, or do you just see it as a secondary? thing where where you have to come into it uh, with an audience to succeed i think for the app store to improve they're gonna have to piss a lot of people off Mm -hmm. and themselves included right like and i can bring up flappy bird i do it for two reasons one anybody who knows about game development or like mobile knows about flappy bird and they know about all the clones now here's what i say when i say uh they're gonna piss a lot of people off if you look at those clones, right? If you look at all the like derivatives of the Flappy Bird game, even though they're knockoffs with like low quality and like terrible, you still see 30,000 downloads, 40,000 downloads, 15,000 downloads, 9,000 downloads, 8,000 downloads, 6,000 downloads, 2,000 downloads, 589 downloads, right? Like they're still successful products. And they're all a rip-off derivative of an original idea. Mm-hmm. Then you say, well, even though some of these are free, they have advertising in them and people are playing them every day. Or, And I guess Flappy Bird is a bad example in the sense that the creator took it off the store and so the clones was the only thing that was available. And the, 
That guy did. That was the best thing that ever happened to a Flappy Bird clone was the original no longer being available. That guy was such a fail, dude. Why do you say he's a fail? He's I past a certain Because point. he put it back on. Okay. He he tried to put the game, you know, he he took it off for integrity purposes mm-hmm. or or the Vietnam government came after him <laughs> because you know you, all right, so I'm Vietnamese so I can speak Sorta <laughs> on the subject, dude. You better be careful, man. <laughs> but <laughs> the same right, thing that I, happened to him, you might get some dudes showing up at your doorstep. Bring it on, yo. <laughs> uh, so, like, so what happened to this guy? So this guy put out the game, didn't think it would be successful, and to his credit, right? He 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 experimented, and that was his like 18th game or something, and it finally hit it off, right? So he has some development skills, but once he put it out, it it, it brought in crazy ad revenue. And this is when you know something's up or something bad is about to happen. When the president of Vietnam <laughs> goes to visit your home <laughs> and talk to you, and then days or weeks later you take the game off the market, you know something was up. But like, it's it would have been more extortion. <laughs> yeah, it would have been more respectable if he just left it off, or at least used the. I'm sure he pivoted off to his other apps or whatever. But like for that guy to to do that, and I mean it's great for the clones, yeah, of course. But I, I never heard about him since. And like maybe he's working on something else. I don't know. You know, but, what? I'm sorry, I can't co-sign to calling it a fail. <laughs> like it's like saying Michael Jordan decides to play baseball. Oh my no, god, no. what a fail! <laughs> it's like, well, he was making a million dollars a day yeah, yeah, off yeah. of his app. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I think he's quite successful. <laughs> he's he's fine. Yeah. As, yeah, he's definitely fine. But yeah, as but... as a person. Sure. I... <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a bad move to remove the app. I think he should have he made other people in their hometowns respectively yeah. wealthy yeah. by taking his product off the store. I would have left mine up there, but then again, I Obama never came to my door and said, "Mr. Charles, I'm going to need you to pull <laughs> off that game that you made or give us 80% yeah, like yeah, I've yeah. never had that happen, so who knows? Man, I wouldn't like. <laughs> I'm so glad I don't develop in Vietnam, man. <laughs> oh man! All right. Anyways, uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, Nintendo NX opening up for indie devs, cleaning up the App Store. What Apple should do to clean up the App Store? Wait, what do you think their product will be? Do you think it's going to be a straight up upgrade to 3DS? And be like, this is our system from now no, on. I think I think they're gonna say, look, we need to unify our customer base and just say our handheld is our console. It outputs to TV, outputs to computer, either through Bluetooth or I mean, however the hell they want to do this. You know, Chromecast, whatever. <laughs> however this is supposed to work, it's gonna be awesome, and I can't wait for it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign on with that, dude. Yeah. I really would really like to play Nintendo games like full on console experience. Yeah. They anybody who has the controller has the console, so I can just bring my console to your house and we can play Mario Party together. All my saves are already on my game. Everything is easy, or it could be in the cloud or whatever. Um, I just think that Nintendo is realizing two things. One, the 9, 10, 11-year-olds that used to buy Game Boys now have iPhones and buy like $4 apps and are completely happy playing like Temple Runner all day yeah. instead of paying 45 bucks to get you know such and such like all the people i see with game boys and 3ds's now i'm seeing less and less kids and i'm seeing more and more like used to be teenager now somewhat adults and i still have my game boy for like nostalgic sense yeah like what i want and know, adults have the 3ds's too yeah what, what i do want to know is like how much of uh like package game is from the packaging like how much of that cost mm-hmm. is is getting those games into the stores and, and selling them and putting them up uh, for people to see. Mm-hmm. Like, if they can take that element out like and, and lower the cost with that, too, mm-hmm. and make it episodic. <laughs> I, I know it's like it's it's always a tough sell to say, hey, here's a $2 game and here's a $30 game. Even that, you know, yeah. is tough to, to, to come across. But if people are willing to buy games in shorter chunks... Yeah, maybe that's the way to go. Well, I'll tell you what: if the NX fails, Nintendo is going to be the mobile developer with yeah. AAA credential. Like 
they're gonna you're gonna see Mario Party 17 yeah. available on the iPhone store for oh, $4.99. Man. You know what? If the NS fails, Nintendo's going straight to mobile like gangbusters. Like they're gonna just go all in. Yeah, that's my bet. Yeah, unless that is an Enix yeah. project, which is it's just streaming. <laughs> because I know I, I Sony has has tapped into that like streaming cloud gaming mm-hmm. where you can play their games on any device, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Like if you have an internet connection, you can play their games. We're nowhere near that. I don't think the world is has that type of like Japanese Korean internet connectivity to, to be able to do that yet. It's so messed up that they're freaking strangling oh, our internet connection. Like this is America. <laughs> We're supposed to be a great nation, and we have the most inferior internet service. Oh man, it's it's a joke. <laughs> It's nothing compared to what they have. Like there. in Korea, they get free internet faster than ours. Yeah. <laughs> so over there, they'll definitely have that. Yeah. It'll be a long time before we get to to have it because we definitely have the tech to do that now. It's just our, our internet connectivity is. Dude, it's not I, viable, man. I blame our shitty internet on greed. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. They know that people are paying sixty dollars a month for a hundred megabits per second. Yeah. Quoting that you get three hundred, but really you get a hundred and like twenty, because yeah. oh, other people are using it, so the speeds may vary. Oh, you do. They're just holding on to that oh, my God, until dude. Google Fiber comes around. It's it's slowly spreading, dude. Mm-hmm. It's it's slowly being everywhere. So, well, Google, please, uh, may I any blessings that are coming to me this year? I hope they go to Google, so Google can provide fast internet for everyone faster than yeah. these. Freaking Time Warners and Comcast can continue to strangle our internet connection speeds. Yep, yep, yep. And I named names. (laughs) Boom. I'm never getting a job at Time Warner or Comcast because of this episode. (laughs) So I hope game development works out. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be fine. Because there goes being a cable man. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, uh, we are an hour into the podcast, and usually at this time, we turn over the microphone to our special guest <laughs> to, to offer some sage wisdom and advice and promote something that they're working on. So, Brandon, uh, as half of our special guest, is there anything really cool that you want to tell the world about that's coming? Yeah, so as of today, uh, Game School Online is up. Uh, with its new service, yeah. uh, so go ahead and check that out. So, what what does this help uh, developers around the world or or students? Well, you can go on there and you can talk to an artist from Dice. You can mm-hmm. talk to an animator at uh, Weta. You can talk to professionals who are awesome at their jobs, and uh, with the fee, you can actually sit down with them and ask them anything. Mm-hmm. So this is a new type of service that we're rolling out, and our uh, scholars that we call them are available for you. Like if you're a student looking for, you know, a way into a certain company or tips and tricks, uh, or even you know some help on an art test that you're working on or anything of that like, uh, check us out. It's available. It's up. Um, look around, and feel free to leave a comment on our Facebook page. Yes, do all of that. This is going to be an amazing product, guys. We worked really hard on it, especially Brandon. I have to shout him out. Brandon, (laughs) great job. What we're doing is, as a developer in training or someone who's budding, like, you know, when you're in college or not in college, wouldn't it be great if you're like, wow, I would love to just know, like, somebody who worked at Activision or someone who worked at 2K or someone who worked at this studio that I just love. I just want to talk to them and maybe get some pointers on how I can develop environment art techniques like what they use at their studio. Oh, look at this. Here's an environment artist who works at 2K Games right now. He's going to go over my portfolio and give me some pointers and advice. Oh, look at that. There's a job opening at 2K. I now have a leg up because I've talked to someone who works there who has helped me tailor my offering to their liking potentially. You know, it's yeah. it's a really cool service that no one else is offering because no one else has the connections. Yeah. Uh, it relies a lot on on the artist referring an artist because if you've been in the industry or at least talked to a professional, the number one way of getting a job is through a friend. Mm-hmm. 
recruiters come to us to recruit for them. <laughs> That's just the number one way of getting any job. So we're we're doing this as a way to help developers to just do something else. And at the same time, just connect students to them without bothering them. Like, what's the number one thing when you go to GDC? Right? You talk to a guy, hi, my name is this, can I have a job? That is the most annoying thing that you'll ever do. But with this, it's like, hi, my name is this, here's amount of money, <laughs> can I talk to you? <laughs> so what you're saying is, they're only a pest if they want it for free. Exactly. <laughs> Anything of value costs you something, right? Yeah. So we're providing a service to connect you guys to each other. Like we wanted a way to, you know, break down that wall. Yeah. There's just really, we're such a small industry. It's kind of silly yep. that we know each other, but we don't talk to each other as much as we should. <laughs> we're not really uh, boosting up our youth, yeah. uh, preparing them the way that we wish we were prepared. And easing them in in a way where no one else would. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is a service for you guys to give back. This is a service for you uh, students to, you know, finally talk to that awesome artist that you always wanted to talk to um, without pestering them. And just to reiterate, let's you know, as far as being the artist or the designer or the programmer that's going through this service, to offer your time, right? For you can set a price and say I'm worth this much per hour. And a student can buy that slot. You know, you now have an hourly rate that you set. You can set your own hours. You have a part-time job. So let's say you've been laid off. Let's say your game is in pre-production and you're not working the same schedule. But you have that sweet salary that shows up nonetheless. But you have more time available. Well, here's a way to help the industry and also give yourself a nice little bonus. Yeah. I mean, anything, anything to do outside of the office uh, is a good idea. <laughs> so if you want to check us out, go to www.gamesgoonline.com or go to our Facebook page. Uh, if you are interested, uh, go ahead and go to that uh, website and you know just shoot us an email. Yeah, click around a little bit, check it out. Yeah. Well, uh, it is one o'clock in the morning, one twenty to be exact. Not for you, listener. For us, recording. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed since I've got the mic right now. I'm going to say goodnight. Goodnight. Good night, guys.